The Space Case Sarah Show with the space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin. Who is Space Case Sarah? Spunky, edgy, smart, funny, and a rebel feminist. Now, witness it yourself on iRock Space Radio. Hello, hello, space enthusiasts. Welcome to another episode of The Space Case Sarah Show with my space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, here on iRock Space Radio. We are returning from a brief hiatus. Uh, Not that you, the listener, would have even known that we were on a hiatus for a week because we plan ahead like that. But our friend and colleague and dive buddy, uh, Kavi, just got back from a dive trip. So welcome back. Welcome back, Kavi. Yes, he says. It's nice to be back here above the surface. Yes. Yep. You shared some pictures of the wonderful logo under the water, which I appreciate. So that was much. awesome. Was it turtles all the way down? Did you see? There was not a single damn turtle, and I am so oh, disappointed. No. I was I was looking out for them. Um, Take that, flat earthers. He looked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just, it just means I have to dive again soon because I uh, some other people who I I know went diving around the same time and, and they saw. Bunches of turtles, hordes of turtles, what? clusters of turtles, and uh, nothing. Maybe the turtles just don't like you. I, I it just, could be. you know, they were a like, that, that man <laughs> from the land down under. A school, a there, murder. There was one point. <laughs> there was one point where the dive master thought that he saw a shark, a reef shark, because he's doing this whole, you know, hand signal. It's scuba diving for people listening at home. Right. It's all hand signals, and so it's this kind of like a. Um, you know, like a, a hand straight up on your head and he's doing this hand signal and I'm right behind him and he's doing this. I'm like, okay, calm your breathing. Don't freak out. <laughs> Over there in the distance, I see this kind of elongated white blur that ended up just being a piece of coral. It was Aww. one piece of coral and I was so excited. So no sharks, no turtles, lots of fishies, um, lots of swimming. Sure. But yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to hear, though, that you're saying that you were maybe excited to see a shark, because I know that when you moved to Australia, you were a little nervous about diving for shark, (laughs) you know, purposes. So way to go. Way to face those fears. I built my way up. There there was um, some sharks that I saw on my first dive in Australia called Port Jackson sharks. And they're kind of like, you know, the baby sharks on there, like grandpa shark. They're kind of like a little bit smaller, brown, shrivelly. They look like they probably have, you know, blunted dentures rather than sharp (laughs) teeth. So I was fine with those. Like the bunny hill of of shark spotting, right? You know, like it's like like the lowest level (laughs) to spot a shark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, welcome Benjamin, who had a bit of technical difficulties at the beginning jumping in here, but we're glad to have you with us. And uh, you, you no, get out, just get out. I um, will never forgive you. <laughs> uh, so, um, as always, Space Case Era is completely oblivious to the element of the week, the theme of the show I am aware of. Although, you know, you mentioned this one um, theory and I had actually had to go look it up because I hadn't heard about it yet. So I'm excited to talk about the, the space junkie theory, junkie. It's probably not the right word. But anyway, what is the element of the week? What what element are we studying today? Manganese. Oh, that's right. You said that. Gosh, I mm-hmm. am a space case. Sorry. Yes. Hence the name. We got it. Manganese. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I guess fun fact science. Take it away. 
My um, my fun fact about manganese is actually more of a history fact than a science fact per se. I love it. It was the fact that um, manganese or manganese dioxide is the main kind of compound that was used to do all those crazy um, uh, cave drawings in the in the south of France that they found that are like. I think love the oldest ones are like 30,000 yeah. years old, but the, the one, mm-hmm, the famous mm-hmm. ones from uh, mm-hmm. um, Lascaux in southwest France are like 17,000 mm-hmm. years old. And they found around these caves, these giant blocks of pyrolusite or, or manganese dioxide, these like um, kind of thick black blocks that were used for these cave paintings. And um, supposedly they were also used for fire starting. Um, but yeah, that was, that was just kind of cool to me to like, be able, the fact that we can identify like basically like what the tools, what the paint uh, of, you know, these ancient ancestors was. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's my fun fact. I fun like it. Answer. And there's a, there's a beautiful video about those cave paintings, by the way, by uh Kurzakat, right? Am I pronouncing that right? It's a science. Kurzkazat? Uh, sure. Something um, like that. Don't ask us to spell it right now on the spot because we can't uh, can't be sure how to pronounce it. But there is a really great video by this group on YouTube talking about those cave paintings and kind of the the history of it. And it's a beautiful story. So I encourage you, if you can figure out from how we pronounced it to spell it, to go look it up on YouTube. Uh, Benjamin. And you'll sign out a petition to make Kurzgesagt an acceptable word in Kurs- Scrabble. Kurzgesagt. 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 Benjamin, what do you have for us today? Uh, For our manganese episode, which will be airing on February 4th, um, happy February 5th anyway, astronaut birthday to Mary Louise Cleave, who flew on two shuttle flights. And... February 4th. Everybody sit down. Everyone get up. Happy birthday. Oh, my God. To Clyde <laughs> William Tombaugh. Happy birthday, Mr. Pluto Discoverer guy. Wow. Happy Everybody, birthday. what you doing right now? Pull over. Get out of your oh car. Oh, my God. Start dancing on the street. Uh, like, the police ask. Do you need to take out, off your hat, Benjamin, and like put it on your heart and just like wipe a tear? Like, <laughs> I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. a song for Pluto. Happy birthday to Clyde Tombaugh, <laughs> who discovered the planet Pluto. <laughs> Neil we salute Tassi, you. You are welcome to come on our show and debate that. <laughs> Dwarf planet. <laughs> Speaking speaking of in a more somber shift, though, uh, this is we're we're recording right at the tail end of the uh, uh, astronaut memorial week uh, in Memorance Week of unfortunately all of the astronauts that we have lost to the United States space program lost their lives within about the same span of a week of each other, give or take. And so um, there's a, a week that they kind of set aside on at NASA to honor the the lives that were lost in the pursuit of space exploration and um i guess this is our acknowledgement to that that as well columbia challenger and apollo one we um we definitely offer our condolences but our we honor their sacrifice because we know that all of those people who died in those tragic accidents did not give a second thought about the risks that they were taking on so the uh, it's actually the 20th anniversary of the columbia uh, shuttle disaster, uh, February mm-hmm. 1st, 2003. And it's, uh, it, it really is incredible. Uh, the, the sacrifice that these, um, humans, um, made 
for the sake of science and, and the kind of forefront of human exploration. So, yeah, definitely worth noting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we're going to talk about, like, essentially space debris, our space pollution. That's what we're going to talk about today, because there are so many things that I I didn't even really uh, realize. Like there's a lot of people doing some some work on trying to figure out what are the long term consequences of us polluting our mm-hmm. upper atmosphere planetary spaces. So I had just actually had a, a super specific advertisement <laughs> on my Instagram not too long ago from a company who makes these customized like projector globes and you can, um, you know, program, program them to do a multitude of things. And one of the things in the demo though, that they showed was like the accumulation, like those dots of space debris mm. and how much mm-hmm. it starts building up. And um, it's truly staggering. When you think about the first thing we sent up, Sputnik, what was that, 1959, something like that, 19, um, and now the amount of space junk, if you actually saw it graphed around the planet, you're kind of like, I can't even see a continent, (laughs) like, in its entirety, it's just, it's like the Earth has chicken pox, severely. (laughs) Um, And I, you know, and I had a, a kid ask me a question in an outreach recently, and they asked me, like, why, why do we have to leave so much space junk behind? And I was like, you know, kiddo, that's a, that's a great question. Um, there's just really no solution, right? I mean, we didn't really come up with a plan when they first started launching stuff into space. I don't think that they realized how, how, how out of hand this was going to get. Quite. I think the, the, the problem is, um, you know, like with a lot of things related to space, it, it requires serious international collaboration. And the things that we've been able to do in space until now really just speak volumes about the incredible efforts that, you know, international negotiation teams have put in. Um, like if you had gone back 50 years ago and, and told, you know, anyone in either America or the Soviet Union at the time, hey, we're going to have an international space station with Americans and Russians and people from all other countries living together, they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Um, right or the same right. thing in Russian, which would be, yeah, my Russian is something, something, something. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't even know how to imitate a Russian accent. <laughs> like, I could, but I'm not I hope you caught that reference because that was a, like a really yes, old YouTube. Yes. Yeah. I am retired. Yes. I am retired. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, but. Um, yeah. but uh, the yeah, no, I I'm mean, it, it really is. <laughs> this is where we need a spot on our website to reference all the things we're referencing. We should. Oh, god, it's, this is like oh, it's like OG YouTube viral, you know. I oh, god. would have to say <laughs> I am a product of my time, and I was in college when YouTube and um Facebook came out, so like. I, I know, I know. I'm an elder millennial. I know the the, the legends of yore. But <laughs> space junk. Uh, keeping on topic here. Um, right. I, oh, that's gosh, a topic? Can you, 
Oh yeah, what? right. I, we have a theme sometimes. What? We stick to it sometimes. <laughs> the the concepts, the way that not you. I think that's a great point. Not just like the accumulation of space junk, but like the way that our space programs have moved forward in such a, a rapid state. Mm-hmm. I, it's sort of like it's that horse in the cart thing. Like, how do we prepare for? the future when the future is pretty much outracing the thing like the methods of what we need it to do like for example having rockets that can be reused and come back down only until sure. now you know we mm-hmm. we actually have the ability to do that and i would say though that that's something that probably should have been around by the apollo era shuttle era for sure right but we just it just we weren't it we weren't there yet humanity's always kind of like that with technology right where we're kind of right sprinting before we can crawl and Mm -hmm. you know tripping over ourselves as we go and not really being aware about the other people who are trying to do similar things around us and it's kind of like now we can turn around and say huh we should have done that in a much more responsible way and at the time it's like (laughs) we have to beat the russians we gotta get up there like (laughs) that's exactly how it sounded by the way that was recording that wasn't was a recording accent that stereotyped my entire country (laughs) that was uh that was that was fantastic. Can we hear your Russian now? Uh, <laughs> so that was American. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut us off. First Please of all, as a reminder, <laughs> we are all on social media. Why you would want to follow us, I'm not entirely sure. But we're all on social media. We're adorable. <laughs> Space Case Sarah. You can find me as such on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of the platforms. Gentlemen, introduce yourselves. Benjamin, why don't you start? Hi, I'm Benjamin from Science Actually. You can find me at scienceactually.com or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. Just look for Science Actually. That's quite the emphasis on the on the T syllable. Uh, Twitter. Twitter. Yes, Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on a Rose. <laughs> You can find me also on the tweets. Um, <laughs> fun fact science, fun fact science with Kavi on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, um, all the good time wasters. You can find me there saying silly things, posting silly things, and occasionally doing science related doing things. Science. Which, by the way, this gentleman got accepted into a PhD program. So congratulations. You, doing, Doc? Hey, Doc. you are more legitimate scientist than us here. So than me. But, yeah, but yet, <laughs> but yet he's like, I post memes. It's great. We love it. We are also representing IROC Space Radio, whether you are listening to us on the station, which we greatly appreciate if you are doing so, or listening to this as a podcast after the fact, please do not forget to head over to the iRock Space Radio's website where you can sign up for a crew club, get a sweet free t-shirt. We have hats for sale and we have other shows for you to check out. So go be our guest and explore the the universe of iRock Space Radio. Be our guest. Be our guest. Be our guest. <laughs> We're going to take our- a break <laughs> and we'll come back with a musical number. <laughs> and so you are listening to the Space Case Show with my space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. Start, man. Welcome back to the Space Case Show where the the battle of who gets back into the recording studio continues on, and I don't think these two will ever stop fighting, akin to like, you know, stepbrothers, where it's like, did you touch my drum set? <laughs> touch my drum set! <laughs> touch your drum set! Um, we are... Uh, 
also trying to stay on task because uh, Kavi has a, a firm cutoff. He's got to leave at a certain time. Um, so we were all just commenting how we're all quite tired. So if this episode's a bit silly, uh, we all need some caffeine of some. Because our other episodes before. were dead serious. Uh, yeah, we're Absolutely. really. We're very yeah. professional. Yeah. yeah. We're professionals. Yeah. We're professionals. Oh, I was going to say busy. something and I can't yeah. remember. Oh, um, let me just. Okay, so let me let me let me ask. Okay, remind me what you guys were talking about with this. Is it like a, a theory or something like that? But the the space junk theory, the, like the syndrome. Uh, it's it's Kessler syndrome. Um, so Donald Kessler, Kessler was a yeah, he was a scientist at NASA. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say in like 1978, roughly, he wrote this paper, basically talking about the potential impacts of orbital debris um right because you know we're always launching things like you mentioned in the previous segment now we've just started you know over the past less than a decade uh launching and returning the rockets and reusing at least part of them but it used to be kind of you know part of it burns up on re-entry part of it you know crashes back into the ocean and you know whatever bits end up floating around in space it is what it is kind of and so Kessler syndrome was basically Donald Kessler saying, well, maybe we should not do that. And maybe we should think about the potential impacts of having all of these bits of junk floating around space. So what he had suggested um, was that this theoretical syndrome, Kessler syndrome, which he didn't name after himself, uh, somebody else did, um, um, was basically this idea of a knock-on effect, a kind of cascading chain reaction of a small piece of debris hitting another satellite or another larger piece of debris because you have all these things traveling at super high speeds as they orbit around the Earth. And if that was to happen, you'd kind of have, you know, a knock-on effect of one small thing hits a big thing that breaks into a bunch of smaller things and all of those smaller things can hit other bigger things and so on and so forth until you end up with this kind of debris belt around the Earth, which would be very not good. Um, especially for astronauts. Yeah, Benjamin's doing thumbs down. I'm going to give that two thumbs down on a probably <laughs> thumb scale. Um, right. Yeah. Well, and I mean... There is a higher... Has... I can use my feet as well. There can be four thumbs down. <laughs> oh it's <God>. not thumbs. <laughs> but so the, anyway, the, thing, the thing about it is that we, we do have problems. It hasn't come to this like belt issue so far but the iss has had multiple mm-hmm. uh, near misses and and issues the, the, i think right. there's been on average one a year um i think there's something like yes. tw- 29 29 since 1999 with three of them happening in 2020 um mm-hmm. and like those are the those are the ones that like they knew about in advance and did these maneuvers called dams, uh, debris avoidance maneuvers. Uh, it's like, damn, there's something coming towards us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so sorry for that bad joke. I'm very tired. But yeah, so, so that's, that's just the ISS. Um, and think about, you know, the few thousand other satellites and uh, telescopes and things that are in orbit. Like this is a real problem that needs to be addressed before it becomes the Kessler syndrome kind of, you know, bad news day yeah what benjamin do you know yeah. what was the like closest near miss or worst case scenario the iss has ever had i like i'm curious if uh, you know most recently actually was uh november 2021 um 
Russia, just without telling anybody really, did an anti-satellite test. They just yes. had a satellite, yep. an older satellite of theirs, and they just blew it up to see if some weaponry worked. Well, good for them, it worked. But it also created this big debris cloud. It's such a bad cloud, it was a two thumbs down from Kavi. And uh, it was going straight towards <laughs> the general area where the ISS was uh, orbiting. So they actually had to uh, do the whole spiel where all the astronauts scurried into their um, uh, respective places on a Soyuz or a SpaceX capsule and closed the doors and prepared to just not even in spacesuits, just in their clothes and prepared to just leave the space station and head down. And they also had to move to do a damn maneuver and they had to move the uh, ISS, I think, a couple miles higher than its usual orbit which is actually uh no small task for the iss and they're just trying to avoid getting hit by uh all this little debris and as we know or some people don't know it only takes the smallest little shred of metal or plastic traveling at those orbiting speeds of seventeen thousand five hundred miles an hour to just punch a hole in the right. iss and you have worse problems than just debris well, I don't think a lot of people understand in general, like you were saying, it's no small feat for the ISS to have to move out of its orbit. It goes in a parabola up and down and up and down. You know, that's how it's mm-hmm. staying in a position. And and it relies on these capsules that are attached to it to move it up and down and where it needs to go. They, they use their thrusters. So that not only takes away from those capsules, but, you know, you're also moving it out of its normal parabola, which I'm sure there are a bunch of physics things that go into effect of how to recorrect for that. And it's it's one of those things that it's like, it's a big deal, but you don't, it's not headline news, but it's like, it's like a, if something did hit the ISS, that would be like massive, you know, huge front page paper news. And so I am really like struggling to remember my train of thoughts here. I had something else I was going to mention and I can't remember anymore. I think, I think maybe, maybe while you recapture your train, um, like a useful, a useful analogy in the train, um, like a useful, like thought experiment to think about for people to really understand this is like, think about, uh, somebody like having um, like a soccer ball and if they like throw that soccer ball at you it might be annoying but like how hard could they really throw it for it to do some damage it probably wouldn't same thing if they were throwing a bullet at you if they're just throwing the bullet it won't actually do anything to you right but when a bullet is launched from a gun and it, and it leaves the gun at you know 300 meters per second around the speed of sound it mm-hmm. can do damage you know Needless to say. Um, and it's the same thing if you have even, you know, something bullet sized, there are there are roughly half a million bullet sized pieces of debris floating around Earth. You can take something that size and it's moving not at 300 meters a second, but around 7000 uh, meters per second. So think about the damage. It's like you basically have this ocean. That's what we have currently of debris of this, you know, these tiny debris that's very difficult to track. So there are about 30,000 bigger objects that we can track, but these smaller ones, the situation's only getting worse and worse. So space surveillance networks currently tracks 20. I did my research, 27,000 pieces of space debris, softball size or bigger. Mm -hmm. Wow. And there's easily 
or excuse me, possibly up to, like Kyber said, a million pieces smaller than a centimeter. And that's still fast enough and hard enough to cause bullet type damage. Which, so this is why it was so alarming and concerning when very recently the one Soyuz capsule had a mm-hmm. malfunction, was mm-hmm. spewing out like, I don't remember if they determined it was fuel or if it was coolant or something like that. And they were like, well, something really bad happened. There's uh, not enough, uh, like basically not enough seats on the lifeboats if right. something <laughs> bad were to, to go wrong. And it's it definitely is. It's a major it's a major concern. And it's only going to keep getting worse as we, you know, keep sending commercial satellites, different things up into space. And so I know we're, we're mentioning these countries and I don't mean for it to be political, but like when Russia blew that up and then when China has these (laughs) rockets that come back down uncontrolled, we definitely don't have an international good, good, good standard of conduct between some of these other countries where they're just kind of like, well, we'll see where it lands. Woo. And the odds, you know, right. So there's a lot of space in space. And when a rocket comes back down uncontrolled, there's a lot of ocean on planet Earth. So statistically, you know, the odds are in your favor. But I have heard this multiple times from both the space junk kind of experts and and critics and and then also honestly from the private space sector critics that something bad's going to happen at some point. It's going to happen and it's not going to be good when it does. So what do we what do we do? Like what what do we do? There are a couple uh, uh, projects that uh, Japan is working on and, e- and the e- uh, European Space Agency are working on to try to clean up some uh, uh, debris. Uh, Japan has something uh, very cleverly named project called the Remove Debris Project. It's actually successfully tested where they sent up a, a kind of a, a satellite to catch up to a test satellite and they shot out a tether and that latched onto the satellite not to catch it but to slow it down Mm. so that it was just okay now it's going to go down and that's the end of it and european space agency is working on a kind of space sail if you can imagine satellites going up in the future all of them with this little backpack it's very very tiny and then when the end of their use comes about it'll (laughs) unfurl a big solar sail that would just slow them down and they just calm down so there's a couple things that are being worked on but not nearly enough to uh really you know vacuum clean up probably out, the outpace things. the the junk to right to uh clean up ratio i uh feel this on a very personal level with having two children in my home um <laughs> it's uh you know it's sort of like raking in a hurricane it, yep. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I think this is probably a good time to take a little break and segue then into our last segment. But um, I also wanted to talk about in the third segment here, we have also quite a few startup companies that are interested in dealing with this issue as well. Ooh, mm-hmm. um, not just startups, but also established space companies that are looking into dealing with this as well. And so uh, I think that that is a great sort of looking forward into segment three of problem solving so if you know northrop could come and clean my house that'd be great um (laughs) but until then i guess i'll just have to have to deal with it so you i don't know i'm so tired i'm like struggling with my words here (sighs) 
are listening to. So, yes. <laughs> so, this, we're going to take a break. Space Sarah show. The Space Case Sarah show. You are listening to the Space Case Sarah show with the space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, here on iRock Space Radio. Welcome back to the Space Case Sarah show with my space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, here on iRock Space Radio. Hello. Before we even get back into our conversation, I do want to thank our listeners who have been downloading our podcast on all of the platforms. We are extremely like flattered and overwhelmed by your support. And so if you're listening on said podcast, these guys are just trying to make me laugh. Um, we are just so thrilled that you can now listen to it on your own because we realize that not everyone is in a convenient time zone to always listen at the time that it airs on the station. But please don't forget about the station. So make sure you're also checking out iRock Space Radio. So, we have a, a Lego Baby Yoda. I thought you don't really like Star Wars, though. I didn't know he said that. Okay. Oh, okay. I actually had to just mute myself right now. My kids are watching the Lego movie, and my son comes barreling in, and he's like, Mom, they had the they had the ship from Star Wars with Chewbacca, and <gasps> I don't think you remember the name Millennium Falcon, so I, I'm a bad parent. What's the name of the astronaut from the Lego movie? I've never been. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would know that, and it of would be after your name. You would know that. But we're going to continue a conversation about space junk. Uh, it's a problem. Do you know what I referenced there, too? I was thinking space, <laughs> space pants. pants. I was I right. I am wearing space, space pants. pants. We've made like four references in this show. <laughs> There is a, a great SNL skit with the guy who plays um, uh, Tyrion. Yeah. Yes. And Very he's like. Peter Dinklage. Yes. Peter Dinklage. And he's like. When he's I say it, space, you say pants. Space. space pants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the greatest. And now we're doing it for space junk. <laughs> no, is everyone up to junk. speed? All you listeners out there, are you all yeah, up to space speed now? Space junk. Not space <laughs> junk in your pants, just space junk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for wow. the remaining three listeners who we didn't lose when we were quoting the end of the world skit, uh, the, those last three just left. <laughs> please, please turn off the light I'm and sorry. shut the door behind you. I hope my parents aren't listening. Uh, there's uh, a problem with space junk, and there's just there's a lot of it out there, and it has become a problem for the ISS. Mm-hmm. But you know, kind of remarkably, there has not really been. Any accidents this as, as so far, you know, the statistical odds of, say, like a SpaceX rocket hitting something is probably pretty slim, but, you know, could happen. I don't know. Actually, SpaceX is very quickly becoming the uh, on its way to be uh, the leader in space pollution. It's oh, it's, it's, it's already beat out. A couple countries. <laughs> and I think the total uh, number of the total number of satellites yes. that aren't SpaceX are roughly equal to the total number of uh, Starlink satellites that have been launched. Right. So this brings up another valid point about space junk. 
from an astronomer's perspective, uh, these satellites, you know, and the satellites, I'm, I'm not counting, I'm not saying that like Starlink satellites are junk per se, but there is a lot of disgruntled astronomers out there now that when they're doing these long exposure photography things, you just see constantly just these streaks, 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 streaks of just, you know, satellites or things up up there in the night sky. And so I know that there's a, a good chunk of astronomers who are a little bit bitter about all the stuff that we've been throwing up there. I mean, which I have it's a real that. thing. It is. Like, it's... It is. The, the, so I think the the way that people like um, Elon uh, Musk and other you know supporters of Starlink justify it is that they talk about how these satellites move so quickly across the frame that when you average out the image over you know however long the integration time is for you know however long you're catching photons to make the image um, you, you you barely see it. But the problem is, especially for uh, you know deep sky astrophotography and, and uh, astronomy, is that sometimes we're looking for events that happen on very short timescales, and so we might need to be looking at an individual frame and individual exposure of a short period of time, and having that light reflected from the sun by the Starlink satellite, or having um, you know radio interference generated by the Starlink satellite, can be the difference between you know making a positive detection or not and I, I just don't i don't see it being worth it do you know what i mean you don't see like the, the cost the... i don't i don't see the benefits of having a mega constellation of forty thousand satellites outweigh mm. the detriments in terms of the even just purely the impact on astronomy but like once you consider kessler syndrome right like currently there's on the order sure. of i think six or seven thousand satellites in total so like multiply that number by by six or seven and like you know think about how much more if we're talking now already about the these enormous debris fields that we already have of you know tiny particles that we can't even track so imagine how much worse it could get and i just think it's playing with fire and i don't I don't see, I don't see the benefits being worth those risks. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Interesting. Um, yeah. No. No. I. I. I don't. Um, I hear. I. I do. I see like both sides of the argument, because on the flip side of the coin, and I didn't expect this conversation to go this way, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. I see. The benefit of them, though, is giving Internet access to parts of the world that have never been able to get that before. And from a humanitarian perspective, that's, you know, information and access to the Internet is getting up there as essential as like clean water. I mean, yes, but also no. Like the, the like you, you don't you don't see you don't see like the people who are. I, like I've heard that argument. That was the first thing. Like initially, when I heard about Starlink, I thought it was a wonderful idea for that exact reason. But the problem is, practically, that's not what's happening. That those aren't the people who are using Starlink. People who are using Starlink are, you know, people who have private jets or yachts or people who live in remote places, not you know communities in sub-Saharan Africa who don't have access to fiber optics cables. And I think also when you consider the fact that it's possible to cover uh, the earth in, in coverage in a coverage sense with far fewer satellites so you can i think there was a plan for like 650 in a mega constellation for the company OneWeb. it's it's like there's a way to do this that isn't just throwing you know forty thousand satellites into orbit um that can have these same humanitarian benefits with you know taking less 
of a risk. Sure. Benjamin, what are your thoughts? No, no, I'm, I'm uh, not. I'm just, I'm listening. I, I agree with Kavi that uh, as far as the v- visual pollution is making it hard to see things, SpaceX is aware of it and they are starting to paint all their satellites much, 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 much darker so they can't be seen too easily. But that's not enough. And I agree with Kavi. It's not, there's, you know, SpaceX has its vision of covering the sky with its satellite constellations but so do other companies and they're not Mm going to work together and say let's just use just the one satellite no that we're going to have ours you'll have yours they'll have theirs and so they're just going to keep throwing things up there and it's getting cheaper it's getting insanely cheaper and the technology is improving that uh the things that you set up can be much 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 smaller and lasts much, much, much longer. So it's just, it's, it's, it's nothing. Right. That's always kind of the, that's sort of the crux of like technology, right? Because I'm sure that there are most of those like first generation Starlink satellites are probably, I mean, even sometimes they send up a batch and half of them like get hit by a solar flare and then they're done. So there, you know, I'm sure there is a lot of that space debris responsible also for that. Like, Oh, we built and designed this idea, this concept, fling it out to space. Oh, look, the technology improved. We can send something else now that does it even better. That's defunct. I think to to be a little bit more optimistic and more charitable um, towards um, people like Elon, I I would say that if, because the painting thing that Benjamin mentioned is nice, but it's, it's decreasing its reflectivity, you know, not, not completely removing it. I think that if... If these if these companies if SpaceX uh, was also investing heavily in R and D for space debris cleanup, I would be much faster to to take a positive position on on Starlink. Um, yeah, because yeah, I, I think I think it's just it's a little bit irresponsible. That's just yeah, what it comes sure. down to for me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so speaking of that, that's a great segue. There are companies though that are seeing the money in this. They see an opportunity to be basically the garbage collectors of space. And I'm trying to remember, there's a big name. It's not Northrop. I don't think it's Northrop, but it's, um, I remember reading this a while ago and I can't for the, the life the of Japanese, The Japanese uh, company? No, I, I think they're called Astroscale. United States-based aerospace company. Astroscale? Astroscale? I'm not sure, but you guys are aware of some other ones. So there's some Japanese companies. Who else is trying? I just know the names of a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. There's, there are American us. companies, European companies, and, ja- and Japanese oh. companies that are trying to do it. I just had the great, a great idea. We should create our own company and call it Oscar, like Oscar the Grouch for cleanup. <laughs> and it could be orbital, orbital satellite clean and recovery, cleanup and recovery. Oscar. Uh-huh. See, look at you getting on Copyright. acronyms. Like, you know, you know yeah. what's up. Yeah, it's now, nobody like steal all, that. These, all these names I'm not recognizing anymore, but it was somebody big. Um, and but this was quite a while ago. So I wonder if maybe they just kind of gave up on <laughs> pursuing it. Um, there's definitely an interest, though, in what I like. Geez, I'm, re- I'm reading this article here and it's companies like Planet, Astroscale, Changwang Satellite, uh, ClearSpace, which is a Swiss startup. There's a lot. There's um, a lot. Yeah. And and I mean, this is kind of uh, it's one of those things where, again, it's 
the the horse in the cart. They see the money. They're they're running. Everybody's running to be the first for something, right? That that just that's yeah. just the way it is. And so there's definitely an opportunity for this space cleanup. But again, back to the the point we had at the beginning: is it fast enough for what is getting flung out there? Are they building up quick enough to really make an impact? And then again, what do we do about it? I mean, it just, it seems like we're just waiting for that first, whoops, or I don't know. They'll need to be a big whoopsie. There will be a big whoopsie. Yeah. (laughs) If we keep going like this for, for, you know, a couple more decades, there will definitely be a big whoopsie where a satellite that was not you know, abandoned and defunct will be hit and will be destroyed. And then some millions of dollars are going to be lost. And then suddenly there'll be a financial incentive for the private market to say, hmm, you know what? We don't want that to happen again. And hopefully that will be enough because if it does turn into a full on Kessel syndrome, the issue is, is, you know, like so much of our lives is really tied to these satellites for, you know, GPS, for telecommunications, um, you know, like financial markets, which also use satellite communications. Like it would be very not so good. Uh, <laughs> I would argue that all it would take is to take out a couple of satellites that um, can, you know, help with people's cell phones. And that would be enough to spark <laughs> outrage. Be like, I was streaming this show on my phone and then it stopped. <laughs> During the could... finale of the next season of House of Dragon, just take out one of the HBO satellites and watch everybody <laughs> lose their friggin' minds. Exactly. Did you just concoct a master evil plan on how to start this revolution? Googling right now. When will the final episode air? Um, actually, if it was the final episode of The Last of Us of the season or something like that, I would be very mad. I'm, I'm really enjoying that show. Don't say uh, anything. I haven't started yet. No spoilers. No spoilers. Well, I have to. I have to finish playing the game before I watch the show. <laughs> Even though it's an old game. <laughs> I anyway. I think this was a very thoughtful and thought-provoking conversation in this third segment here because I think that there are a lot of gray areas in so much of space exploration. I have encountered many a people who don't quite see what the purpose is for space and exploring space and you know there's there's just kind of these different sides of the table that it's sometimes it's hard for me not to be like, I do agree. And I see what you're saying here. And I do agree. And I see what you're saying over there. You know, it, it it's, it's a really challenging, but for me, very engaging kind of place to be in, in this industry, to have this, have these conversations of, you know, I, I personally got to experience the beauty of Starlink when I was at the Mars desert research station. It was great. You know, like, like, so I have these, you know, different experiences that I'm bringing to the table as well. And so I enjoy having different viewpoints and conversations. So thank you both for that. Um, And kind of inconclusively, there's a lot of space junk. What do we do? We don't know. And we're doomed to quote the the late great C-3PO. (laughs) It's <laughs> like the reference right there. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> we should be more overtired. More. We often. should have a counter for Star Wars references. Um, <laughs> Star Trek references. 
You know, we should do an episode. Maybe this is a good teaser for a future one. Um, Joseph Campbell was the author that inspired George Lucas to write Star Wars on sort of the premise of that, the kind of the classic storytelling of these great heroes and these battles of good and evil and blah, blah, blah. And then Star Trek is just approached it completely different with this more... Um, I don't know. Utopian. Realistic. Not, yeah, not, not a, yeah, maybe not utopian. That's no, definitely not. But yeah, a more, um, there's not so, so strong of themes of good and evil and dark and light. It's, it's different. It, and it's uh, maybe, maybe at some point we can do a, do a, a nerd out about the like philosophical elements of, but there are actually like college classes that do talk about it. It is something that people look at a lot. There was um, a close friend of mine. Hey Adam, if you're listening to this, um, sent me a hey, video the other day. <laughs> Hello. Um, a video that kind of breaks it. It's an 80-minute video that I really was not expecting to actually get through of the seeing how democracy can turn into dictatorship looking at the prequels. Um, and Benjamin, I know I sent it to you and like you had the prequels and whatever. Benjamin's rolling but, his eyes. But, but putting, putting, <laughs> putting aside, you know, how, much, how you might feel about Jar Jar Binks, it was like very interesting to see... <laughs> At least comparisons to, you know, realistic political situations of, you know, what happens when people get lost in what what are you shaking your head at? <laughs> There's absolutely no real world comparison, even the most minuscule political <laughs> landscape in the prequels. There's nothing. There's nothing. Well, I'm going to have to watch this. <laughs> no, no, no. I want it, I want this segment to go long and I want everyone to know <laughs> my my very heartfelt and strong opinions <laughs> that the prequels are were caca. Applausible. Not caca. 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 <laughs> Go that find said, your emotional to all my close personal I- friends, including my brother-in-law who work at Lucasfilm, that was real nice. That was a good movie you made. I liked it. Everyone else is listening. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're so sorry. Um, <laughs> we're so sorry. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> listening to this episode of the space case air show as always a reminder follow us all on social media yes we are this ridiculous in real life this this is not just for a show this is us and uh so follow us on social media media you can also find us on irock space radio's website where you can find links to the podcast go find other nonsense that we've done and Thank you again for being listeners to the Space Case Sarah Show. So tune in next week. I don't I don't know exactly if that will be the theme next week, but tune in next week to hear more uh, references and nonsense. You have been listening to the Space Case Sarah Show with the Space Nerds Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. You've been listening to the Space Case Sarah Show with the Space Nerds Kavi and Benjamin, a production of iRock Space Radio. Go to iRockspaceRadio.com for more.